There are rabbis who said that the Holocaust must have happened because God was judging the pre-war, pre-World War II German Jewish people for losing their faith. But what the book of Job shows us is that we as humans, we demand an answer from God as to why we have to suffer. We, we instinctively want to know why God, why did this happen? This is the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover, and today we'll be looking at Yom HaShoah, Israel's Holocaust Memorial Day. Chris will recount the story of Holocaust survivor Abba Kovner, who was well known not only for his writings, but also his leadership in helping to start a Jewish resistance against the Nazis. We'll also be answering the difficult question of why a loving God would allow over six million of his chosen people to suffer and die. And later, apples of gold. Now, here's our host, Chris Katolka, with the news. I was reading in the news that both the European and Israeli governments agreed on a proposal to build a Mediterranean pipeline carrying natural gas from Israel to Europe. It's expected to cost around $6.3 billion and should be finished by 2025. You know, former Israeli Prime Minister Golda Meir, she used to joke that God gave the Jewish people the only land in the entire Middle East without oil. However, In the recent years, Israel has uncovered one of the largest natural gas fields in the Mediterranean. This pipeline will aid in strengthening the relationships between Europe and Israel, as well as Jordan and Egypt. Have you ever seen those videos online of Israelis living everyday life? Most of the time, the videos show Israelis driving on a highway, and then all of a sudden, a siren goes off. A siren that can be heard all around the nation of Israel. And as the siren is blaring, the cars that were once speeding down the highway stop in the middle of the road. And I don't know about you, but when a car stops in the middle of a highway, it gets your attention. And all of a sudden, these cars stop at the sound of the siren, and the Israelis, they get out of their car, and they stand next to them. Entire cities and towns pause for two minutes every year, no matter where they are in the state of Israel. They pause and stop and remember the Holocaust and the victims of the Holocaust. It's called Yom HaShoah. This Monday, April 24th, Israelis will pause once again to remember those Jewish people who lost their lives during one of the most dark and dismal moments of the 20th century. Yom HaShoah is not only a time of remembrance for those who died during the Holocaust, but it's also a time to remember those survivors and those heroes who risked their lives to save as many Jewish people as they could. Yom HaShoah became an official Israeli holiday in 1953 when Israel's first prime minister, David Ben-Gurion, signed it into law. He originally wanted Yom HaShoah to fall on the day of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, which happened on April 19, 1943, but it was too close to the celebration of Passover, so they moved it back about a week and a half or so from Passover in the Hebrew calendar. Today, however, They do hold commemoration of Yom HaShoah in the Warsaw Ghetto's memorial at Yad Vashem, which is Israel's Holocaust memorial in Jerusalem. 
The generation of Holocaust survivors, my friends, are quietly disappearing with every year that passes. And some estimate that there's only about 100,000 left around the world. And listen, these survivors are our eyewitness testimonies to the atrocities that happened to the Jewish community only 70 years ago. Only 70 years ago. And what remains are their stories. The stories of Holocaust survivors are the most important witness and important evidence that we have that this atrocity happened. So today I want to share a story. The story of Abba Kovner, a Jewish man who was born in Lithuania. Kovner was educated in a Hebrew academy and the School of Arts. A creative man at heart, Kovner would later become famous for his poetry and writings, winning several awards, including the Israel Prize of Literature. Abba Kovner isn't only remembered for his literature, though. He's also famous for his leadership as a partisan during the Holocaust. After the Germans launched a surprise attack on the Soviet Union, they took the city of Vilna, where Kovner lived. Germans established two ghettos there, and knowing that nothing good could come of Nazis having control of Vilna, he fled the city. Kovner fled the city, and he would find refuge later in a convent of Dominican nuns a few miles away. From the convent, he watched the Nazis destroy the Jewish culture of Lithuania. In fact, Vilna, the city where he lived, had such a strong Jewish presence in the 20th century, it was called the Jerusalem of Europe. Out of concern for the nuns, Kovner returned to the Vilna ghetto only to find that the Jews imprisoned there were unaware of what happened to their missing loved ones. And, and stories within the ghetto started to pop up about Nazis murdering Jewish people. And, and these stories made their way around the ghetto, but many in the ghetto refused to believe what their potential fate could be. You know, ignorance is bliss sometimes. But Abba Kovner didn't want to live like this. And as time would roll on, the prisoners of the Vilna ghetto would eventually wake up to the truth that the Germans were out to kill them all. And in the end of December 1941, a secret meeting was held and Abba gave an impassioned speech to the bewildered Jews in the Vilna ghetto. And he said this, Hitler plans to destroy all the Jews of Europe and the Jews of Lithuania have been chosen as the first in line. We will not be led like sheep to the slaughter. True, we are weak and defenseless, but the only reply to the murderer is revolt. Brothers, better to fall as free fighters than to live by the mercy of the murderers. Arise, arise with your last breath. The United States Holocaust Memorial Museum says, Kovner was convinced that Jews could gain self-respect through fighting and that Jews must fight as Jews. Out of that meeting, a Jewish resistance organization was formed, and its motto was, we will not be led like sheep to the slaughter, right out of the speech given by Kovner. Within two years, the partisan resistance fighters would carry out acts of sabotage against German military trains and equipment transports. They also set up illegal printing presses outside of the ghetto. 
One of their major goals was to make a connection with the Soviet resistance in the cities and forests. And Kovner was also responsible for sending emissaries to the Warsaw ghettos to warn them about the mass killings of Jews in the occupied Soviet Union to incite resistance. Eventually, the Vilna ghetto was liquidated by the Nazis. Many Jewish people lost their lives, but Kovner and many in the partisan resistance were able to escape through the city sewers. They continued to play a major role in destroying German power installations, water infrastructures, and supply depots. They blew up German transport trains and even rescued groups of prisoners from labor camps. After the war, Abna Kovner and his wife helped to found the Beriha movement, helping to bring Holocaust survivors to the shores of Israel. He would later join the Giviat Brigade to fight in the Independence War. Think about that. A Holocaust survivor fighting in the Independence War for the fledgling state of Israel. In 1961, Kovner testified at the trial of Nazi war criminal Adolf Eichmann. He continued to inspire people with his writings and won, again, the Israel Prize in Literature for his poetry in 1970. Abba Kovner died a partisan fighter and survivor of the Holocaust in 1987. Kovner's spirit to resist the Nazis deep down is a testimony that he prefer not to die. And so he wrote a famous poem called Death is Not to be Preferred. Listen to what he wrote. When leading a band of harried fighters or standing face to face with the enemy, holding out in the siege and standing alone on the ramparts. He never said death is to be preferred, that life is negotiable. Anxious, frightened by severe privations, he never asked anything of Almighty God but to grant him favor and ease his pain. When he led the congregation in communal prayer and forgive our sins in love and joy and gladness and peace, O God, mighty and awesome. I hope you take a moment this week sometime and reflect for just a moment on the six million Jewish people who lost their lives for simply being Jewish. It's for this reason at the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry, we stand against any form of anti-Semitism, and I hope you feel the same way too. Teaching the Holocaust to your children is difficult, but at an appropriate age, it can be a way to show not only the depth of sinfulness in mankind, but also to teach this important history. The Friends of Israel has two books that can help you teach older children about the Holocaust. The first is The Hiding Place, the familiar story of Cory Temboom. It's now available for young readers. You may know the story. Cory and her family risked their lives to hide the Jewish people and others hunted by the Nazis. This is a story of how faith, hope, and love ultimately triumphed over unthinkable evil. Another book available for young readers is The Boy on the Wooden Box. You'll read about a young boy named Leon who was enjoying his childhood when suddenly overnight 
overnight, his world changed as the Nazis invaded his country, leading him on a life-changing adventure. These two trusted resources are an excellent way to engage your preteen or teenage children on this incredibly difficult topic, not often taught in school. Order your copies of The Hiding Place for $10 and The Boy on the Wooden Box for only $8, plus shipping and handling, at foiradio.org or by calling our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's foiradio.org or call our listener line at 888-343-6940. As we focus our attention this weekend on Yom HaShoah, which is the Holocaust Memorial Day in Israel, we have to come to terms with a difficult idea or question surrounding the Holocaust. And it's probably a question that you've asked yourself at some point in your life. Why did God allow the Holocaust to happen? How could a loving God allow his chosen people to suffer so much under the hand of Hitler and the Nazis? So first, let me start with this. This is really a question of good versus evil. How could the good and loving sovereign creator of the universe allow such tragedy to continue for so long that it would systematically kill six million innocent Jewish people? Asking this question is called a theodicy. A theodicy is reconciling the goodness and providence of God with the understanding of the existence of evil. And the Holocaust is a a perfect picture at a theodicy, the theodicy of the Holocaust. So, So my only reference for such a question is the scriptures. I have to go to the scriptures for this. And the place that I go to see tragedy and pain happening under the watchful eye of our sovereign God is in the story of Job. And here is a man who experienced the loss of his wealth, his home, his health, and his family. And when Job's friends saw his anguish, they were quick to say, Oh, Job, God must be mad at you. What did you do wrong, Job? And believe it or not, there are rabbis who use the same logic, the same reasoning for the Holocaust. There are rabbis who said that the Holocaust must have happened because God was judging the pre-war, pre-World War II German Jewish people for losing their faith. But what the book of Job shows us is that we as humans, we demand an answer from God as to why we have to suffer. We, We instinctively want to know why God, why did this happen? Job wanted an answer for all of his suffering, and God gave it to him. God revealed to Job the majesty of his creation. And actually, if you just go to the back of the book of Job, God finally gives his answer as to why Job suffered. And the one thing that God shows him is the majesty of his creation. God shows Job how really he is the one who upholds and maintains all life and breath. And you know what Job's response was? He was just speechless. His only response to God was to repent. You know, God says in Isaiah 55 verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. 
But there's another thing that we gather from suffering, especially from the book of Job. And it's this, is that suffering comes as an act of Satan. I've said this before on this program. Satan seeks to destroy what God values. God loves the Jewish people. He made uh, irrevocable promises to them to, to love and to protect and to guide them. God has showered his love, mercy, grace, and long-suffering on them over the millennia. And since God has a plan for Israel and the Jewish people, my friends, they are the target of Satan's attack. I'm reminded of Revelation chapter 12, which shows this cosmic spiritual battle. And in Revelation chapter 12, in this one chapter, John gives us God's view. Remember, we only get one view of what God is doing, the view from a human perspective. But in Revelation chapter 12, we get God's view, which shows us both the things happening on heaven in heaven and the things happening on earth. And John says that there's a woman who was in agony, ready to give birth to a, a baby boy. And waiting there for the boy was a dragon. And the woman in Revelation chapter 12 in this picture is, is Israel and the Jewish people. Remember, Israel is the one from whom Jesus comes from. And so Israel gives birth to the son, Jesus. And the dragon in this picture is Satan waiting to destroy the promised son. In Revelation chapter 12, the boy was snatched up to heaven just in the nick of time. And it says that the dragon later on, who is Satan, went back to chasing and persecuting the woman who is Israel. See, Satan has been working to destroy Israel and the Jewish people for millennia because God has a precious plan for them that is connected to the gospel of Jesus, the Messiah. And listen, the Holocaust, it's just another outworking of Satan's plan to destroy God's people. Israel, on the verge of becoming a state, a teenage Holocaust survivor arrives on her shores alone. His name is Svi Kalisher. Little did he know his search for a new life in the Holy Land would lead him to the Messiah. Svi, enthusiastic to share his faith, engaged others in spiritual conversations, many of which can be found in our magazine, Israel, My Glory. While Svi is now in the presence of his Savior, his collected writings from well over 50 years of ministry continue to encourage believers worldwide. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Svi. A few years ago, a religious school invited me to speak about the Holocaust. Few of us are left who passed through those terrible days. So students listened with great attention and asked questions. I also spoke about my faith in Christ and how the Lord helped me. Some became angry and said such things as, This man should not be at our school. Why did he come here? 
who brought him here. When students asked how I came to believe as I do, I told them, I came to know the Lord according to the Holy Bible. They were surprised and wanted to know where it is written in the Bible about this man, meaning Jesus. I was happy to show them. Afterward, when students would see me on the streets of Jerusalem, they would point me out to others and say, this is the one who came to our school and tried to brainwash us to believe in this man. Recently, someone who works at the school recognized me on the street. He asked if I remember speaking at his school. He said, we want you to come back. Many of the pupils are new, and they will be very interested to hear you. I was surprised. I thought the school would never invite me again. I was happy to go. The students were not quiet. Each one wanted to prove he was smarter than I. So they asked many questions and tried to attack me. But my answers came from the Holy Bible, so I was not afraid. They do not know about the Lord from the Bible. Finally, they asked how I came to know the Lord, and one asked, Why did you leave the Jewish faith? I did not leave my faith in the Lord. You need to ask yourselves, In whom do I believe? Do you follow the Lord, or do you follow men with such faithfulness that you have almost turned them into false gods? They do not realize they respect the rabbis more than they respect God's word. One demanded, We want to see with our eyes where the Bible speaks about this man. I opened my Bible to Isaiah 53 and read, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. How did you find this? One asked. I read what is written in God's word. There it says, You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him. You shall not go after other gods. Do you have a Bible with you? One asked. So I showed them my Bible. They looked through it very carefully. I asked, Have you read enough? Do you think I am telling you what is right? Then they gave my Bible to their teacher, who told the students, If he is following God according to the Bible, I cannot be against him. And then the teacher started to ask questions. Why is it that most Jewish people do not believe as you do? he asked. I replied, It is because so many do not read the Bible for themselves. And when they do read, they do not trust God to show them what is right. Instead, they ask their teachers and believe their interpretations rather than what they have read with their own eyes. I said, if they will believe according to the Holy Bible only, which was written by the Holy Spirit of God, they would believe as I do. Please pray for these children that they will read the Bible for themselves and trust God alone to give them understanding.
Check out foiradio.org to learn more about the two books we mentioned for young readers. Again, these both address the sensitive issues surrounding the Holocaust, but are geared toward a young reader's mind. Think preteen and older. Join us next week. Dr. Thomas Ice will be with us as he makes the case for Zionism. What you'll be left with after hearing Dr. Ice is not only a better understanding of Zionism, but you'll be better equipped to defend Israel. A quick reminder, you can receive Israel My Glory magazine at no cost for a full year. Visit foiradio.org to learn more. That's foiradio.org. Call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. You can write to us at FOI Radio, P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallione, co-written by Sarah Fern, Mike Kellogg, Red Apples of Gold. Our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people. 